Welcome to Medicine for the Dead, a deep dive, episode number two now. We're on number two. We got Dr. Cat last time. This time it's going to be Christian. Magic Christian, as he likes to call himself. <laughs> do, do you know that reference? Not a clue, no. It's a, uh, it's a movie with Peter Sellers and Ringo Starr about the fact that money, everything's got its price. Okay. But it's, wor- it's worth watching. <laughs> That's fair. All right. Of course, you'd have some deeper esoteric meaning to whatever you read. That's just a dumb fucking movie. Well, that's fine, too. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So today, Christian knows, like, we're both woodworkers. He's a better worker, woodworker. But, like, if I pick your brain about woodworking, I, like, I already, I already know enough to, like, get what's going on. <laughs> Another thing he does, though, is sculpture. And I don't fucking know anything about sculpture. So we're going to get into the, the nitty-gritty of that, or try to. I might disappoint you because I don't know if I know anything about sculpture either. Uh, I'm going to disagree with that. You just rebuilt a sink by hand. Well, I don't know if that's sculpture. But. <laughs> that's fair. That's fair. All right. So let me let me try to think of like a let's last time we kind of used a case study where we, we sort of like viewed the body as a house and like thought of cells as like the windows, the roof. Like we did this whole sort of thing about okay. that. Yeah. This is with cat. Yeah. Okay. And um, so for this, let's like say I want to sculpt a like a bust of Lincoln in honor of the insurrection. <laughs> so, what? Uh, let's let's say it's um, <laughs> let's say it's a clay. It sculpture? would be clay. Oh, clay. Okay. Usually, you mean you can do wax. You can do. You know, right. I'm just I'm just setting up what I think is what we're gonna do. So yeah, yeah. we have a wooden base. We have a thing that holds it. A metal post coming up, and we have. A clay bust of Lincoln. What's the first step? Well, I mean, we're going to get technical in this. this is going to get boring. All, but. No, all this, the, the whole point of this is to get all the way technical. Like, I mean, like, touch the wall technical. Um, so, I mean, the first thing is the, the wooden base that you're referring to and the metal post, which would that would be called the armature. So that would be really your first step is knowing how to build an armature because if you don't have a good armature, your clay is going to fall down. So an armature is anything that's holding a sculpture. It's the framework that's holding the sculpture up. I mean, you can make an armature out of foam. You can make it out of, I don't know, whatever whatever sort of substructure you want to build that is going to hold the clay, uh, hold the weight of the clay up. Okay. So you make the wood base. Is it like the finished product or is it just like the rough version of it? Um. Typically, typically the clay is like not going to be your finished product. Um, I mean, there are some sculptors that like to dig out. See, clay. In order to make it a finished product, you have to fire it, uh, which is a whole other set of skills. And I am aware of that. Um, so you have to you've just yeah. heat it up so it becomes solid. Yeah. Heat it up so it becomes solid, but you know you also have to hollow it out, and then there's like a fifty percent fail rate, and there's like all this kind of other dumb stuff. You well, have to wait, do. we're so, not there yet. Let's get. To well, that. I'm, I, we're not going to get there because I am not a potter. I'm not a ceramicist. I, I'm that's a skill set that I've avoided and dodged. So, because, what's the medium that would be the best one for you to describe? So, for me, the clay is the the medium that you would you would model or build or sculpt your your sculpture with, and then knowing that that's going to be impermanent. It's and then you would build a mold around that. That that uh, oh, wh- the, what I would call what I would call in mold making. Wh- now that sculpture that I've made is the pattern. Um, All right, cool. So let's back up though because yeah. we got to go back to the armature. Oh yeah, yeah. So the first thing you do is you create a base. Is it is it the final base or just a base that's going to hold the thing while you're making it? 
just the thing you're going to make. The armature is just the thing you're going to use while you're making making okay. the sculpture. So you have a base, you have something that comes up, and you have what are you building like a wire mesh around? Like how do you what's the what's the in, what's the innard of the sculpture? Uh, it really depends on what I mean. If it's a bust, it's kind of a specific thing, or not a specific thing, but like I have a general way that I was taught how to do it. Um, I'm Which sure there's is? plenty of ways. <laughs> uh, I mean, it's really crude materials. Now, um, you know, it's electrical conduit with electrical, like a, a firm enough electrical wire kind of bent in a very specific oval-like way that holds the the mass of the head up um, and also, you know, the structure of the neck. And if you want to model your or, like, sculpt your base into the sculpture uh, to hold that up, too. So you're basically, like, making, a, like, a rough wire mesh version of the, the finished product. Um... Not broadly, yes and no. Broadly speaking, <laughs> broadly speaking, in that like you're not trying to like it's not very detailed. It's basically like an oval on a pipe. <laughs> okay, okay. Um, so, but then like, but that that oval isn't isn't taking up enough space to really, in my mind, like I've seen a, a friend a friend of ours, Chad, make a sculpture before for uh, for leaves. It was that big ass line he made. Yeah, and that was a huge like wire subframe that was roughly in the shape of the thing, and then the flowers and leaves that were put onto that created the actual finished product. So you don't need like you don't need more than that to make a, a bust. You need just basically an oval. Not a, yeah, not if you're making a clay a clay bust. You're you're really I mean the clay is your material that you're doing the work with. You just you recognize that clay is a large part water. Water is heavy. Um, it's a soft material that has a lot of weight. Eventually, it's going to sag, and you're trying to just hold that sagging up. You're preventing that from happening. Until it gets far. Okay. Yeah. So what's the next step? Um, the next step, once you have your armature, is really putting clay on. I mean... <laughs> so wait, I mean, wait, wait, and the way you describe it, like I see the armature is basically like a, a flat surface that's sitting on the table, a vertical piece coming up and then just an oval is it a three-dimensional oval or is it just like yeah it's a three-dimensional three-dimensional all right so you're creating like a sphere that you're then packing clay around so it's not it's not a huge block of clay inside of an oval yeah it is you're packing a whole bunch of clay i mean it depends on again it depends on how you make your armature Mm. i i i specifically make them like a wireframe so you have to pack the clay into that wireframe as well and then it kind of like buries it and holds, you know, just holds everything together. It's like rebar and concrete kind of a thing. Exactly. Right. That's that's a good analogy. Um, some people like to make it out of styrofoam, in which case they don't have to apply as much clay to, you know, to the actual pattern that they're making. Um, but and then it's mostly just surface modeling. But I, I just always learned with building that big block of clay. And there's something about the weight of it, too, that... Um, there's there really be, starts to be a comparison to the actual human body. Like if you have a one to one scale, ra- you know, ratio or proportion of of your m- sculpture to the human body, like it has a fairly comparable weight. And you know, they're actually like we can get into this a little m- more later. But like you know, when you build the mus- you know, the muscle structure correctly, mm-hmm. if you like start to shift your your clay pattern. The muscles actually move comparable to the way they would actually move as a oh, human. So, so the clay is actually yeah, like this sort of the, the muscle down your neck is called the sternocleidomastoid, <laughs> and um, it's a big word. It's like 
kind of angles down, but as you turn your head, it straightens out, and it'll do the same thing in the in the clay model. It's kind of cool. Yeah, yeah no, that's awesome. So is that because you're actually like you're you're sort of replicating the muscle structure as you're building the clay thing? So the the pieces are actually literally there, and they're responding as they would ordinarily, or is it just the nature of like textiles in motion? It's a little bit of both. Um, it depends. I mean, because some people like when. When I learned, I learned probably a little more of a traditional way where, you know, you kind of learn anatomy as well as you learn to model. And there's actually, I didn't think I, I didn't really do the intense exercise where you actually build up the model or build up, you know, from the muscle structure where you actually model the muscles. And then you like, you know, you basically have a a bust or a human with like just all the muscles and whatever. And then you model the like skin an, over top of that. An and so correct sort of a thing. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I think it, cause it gives you, it gives <laughs> you a better understanding of, of where the muscles are and that, you know, how that translates to the skin surface. Yeah, totally. So, um, that's wild. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean, I, you, you like, it's, it's these sorts of things that I want to know about, right? So, like, I don't know anything about this topic, and I wouldn't even know where to start, but, like, that yeah. totally makes sense that you actually, like, <laughs> approach it like you're making a person because you are making a person. Yeah. And it has to represent an actual living or a formerly living thing. Poor Lincoln. Shot in the head. Very <laughs> tragic. <laughs> okay. So, um, what, so, something I always look at and I don't know anything about again is, like, when artists can, like, portray, like, like a hand... Like hands were up. Like what was a there was a lot of there was a large period of time where they didn't paint hands because they weren't good at it. Right? Is that accurate or inaccurate? Um, I've heard that. I don't know if that's true. Um, I also wonder if if when that is referencing is like more medieval or gothic art. I think it was in there because there's definitely a period of time when like shit just didn't look right. Because that had more to do with like being a good Christian and not trying to, you know, dominate uh, the uh, skill of God. Oh. It's kind of blasphemous to try to do something more representational than God would do. All right. We'll save that for tonight's podcast because tonight's (laughs) all about religion. Okay. Well, let's get into like, so when you're modeling something, like I, I, if if I was to draw a hand or a face right now, it would be a stick figure. Like that's the, that's the level of skill. I mean, I could, I could obviously like, I know that there's five fingers. I know where the knuckles are. I know the basic function of this thing that's attached to me for my entire life. But when it came, when it, if it comes to replicating it, like this, if I was to make my hand, I'm, I've got my hand like semi cupped right now with my fingers sort of spread yeah. out. Like uh, there's no way that I could draw this and accurately represent it, right? See, I I disagree, and I think that that's that's a, a well. Could I learn how? Yes, but do I know right now? No. Do you know right now? Yeah, I, yeah. I don't know. I'm not you, but yeah, um, definitely not. But <laughs> that's uh, the answer. But I think, um, well, I mean, just to take everything back a minute. I mean, I think you know, learning how to sculpt, learning how to do any of that stuff. I think the foundation of all of that is drawing, and why drawing is so important and is the easy way to think of drawing is, is to think of it as mark making. But really, if, if you're studying drawing, you, you really should be studying how to see. Because I think that's, that's really where the skill's at, is that most people don't actually learn how to process the things that they're seeing in front of them. They see it, but then they process like a symbol of it. They don't process like the nuance of, of the detail that's in front of them. Um, where I think that really... Do you think that's a taught skill or like more of a natural thing? I think there's an innate 
ability to do that. But I, I do think it's also something that can be the patience of that can be taught because I think that it takes a lot of patience to 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 pay that much attention to something. That fucking sound. We'll figure it out, man. We we'll figure, we'll it, figure out. it out. So like, yeah. So when I'm looking at like this, especially like you know, if you look, if, if I were to turn my hand towards you, this portion here. Yeah. Like when when you're looking at your own hand like this, like how the pinky, how the fingers, like the three dimensional space that my fingers are occupying in a line of differing depth of field. Mm -hmm. Like I know, like I've I've done enough, I've learned enough about photography to know how I would like to photograph that. Yeah. To create the space inside of that, but when it comes to replicating that on paper or in a sculpture, like that three dimensional aspect isn't in my brain so like when you're looking let's let's go back let's so we're using it's a bust right so let's, let's think about a face so like how are you creating that three-dimensional thing like i think about like sculptors and back in the day that made the sphinx or made these like they took a flat object and revealed the sculpture within it so there's like a there's an awareness of um and awareness and micro decisions are being made as you go through that are creating the depth of field of the space yeah so how do you approach that um, awareness of the depth of field of space. I'm trying to think because that's it's kind of at a point for me where there's there's something about that's like just kind of second nature. Um, so it's it's one of those things when you get so comfortable with something, you kind of have to strip it down for yourself. Because well, yeah, I mean, that's like you, so I'm you, trying to do it for myself. Um, if you, you if you know how to do something, you should try to teach it. You know, it's like that kind of a thing. Yeah. Um. I mean, to some de to some degree, I think a lot of that has to do with what I kind of said before, where it's like learning how to see. Um, mm -hmm. I, I think that that's for me. That's that's a huge part of it. Um, and then I think with three dimensional stuff, it's doing that, but keeping yourself in motion. If if that makes sense. Um, like when I'm when I'm modeling a figure, I'm not like sitting with a model static in front of me and like doing all one plane and then just kind of, you know, moving around. It's like I'm constantly moving around the figure. I, I don't ever want to stay stationary for too long because then I get too hyper-focused on one thing and I stop becoming aware of the whole. Right. And, so and that's, when yeah, that's when your proportions go all, all of whack and, like, you might have the best model nose ever done, but it looks like it's on a different head. <laughs> They, right. they don't kind of connect. Or you put it to the side and it's like a foot long. And you like, yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. So, fucking poop bags in my pocket. Um, that makes sense that you would like constantly revolve around it. Where, where would you start? Like what's the first thing you would do to actually start to model that sort of a thing? Um, like just you've packed all the clay in. You have the, the vague, ambiguous form of a human. And then what? I don't really have a set again it's like like constantly being in motion to some degree mm -hmm. like I don't really have a set thing that I go to I just kind of once the f the general form is there I mean I, I guess that's really where the start is you're just trying to give a gesture put a gesture together of things and then you're slowly building up the detail um I mean part of that is that helps you get a sense of like if there's m movement or if there's like uh, you know um, an energy to the position of the body. Like you capture that. Whereas if like you kind of get too in the details, like it just seems like a static 
thing. Right, um, so you're trying to capture a moment as opposed to like a yeah. Well, that's interesting. Um, so you're not there's not there's not a specific part of you know for this example a face and or I guess like a like upper chest to top of head. Yeah, you're not you're not there's not a specific thing you're focusing on. You're just kind of like picking at the whole thing and just removing. It's all removing, right? You're not like shaping it. No, no, I, I am with with clay. You're shaping it. There's because uh, you you referenced the sphinx and stone mm-hmm. uh, with with sculpture with that type of sculpture. You have two types. You have additive, which is like clay modeling, where you're building up the clay, and subtractive, which is like carving away a block of something. Right. So one, you're kind of um building something from nothing, and the other, you're extracting the the data from the. The yeah, void. <laughs> the potential from the you know the the oh potential is a good block. Word. Yeah, that's, that's a very Christian way to say that. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, all right. So we've got our we got our block. We have our armature. Yes, armature. My vocabulary is getting better every day. <laughs> Everyone out there, surround yourself with people that are smarter than you. <laughs> um, so we have our we have our armature. We have a, basically a wire mesh. We have a bunch of clay packed in. We're starting to walk around this thing and starting to make it take shape. And um, what's what are considerations? Are you is this like a what would you use like a picture to do this or a memory or what's what's what are you referencing as you're creating this thing? Um, I, I mean, typically when I'm doing that type of sculpture, I I actually go to a. Um, I usually actually do this now, like well, except with COVID. Um, I usually go to a group where uh, we hire a model and we, uh, you know, they take a position and we kind of walk around and for maybe four or five weeks, we'll, you know, build up our clay model of the person. Four or five weeks? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's three hour sessions. Um, I mean, I assumed it wasn't in like one sitting, but like somebody has to sit still for three hours for four or five weeks. Well, I mean, like for three hours, <laughs> it, it's like three hours, 20 minutes on 20 minutes or 20 minutes on 10 minutes off or something like that. You know, they're not actually sitting there for three hours. I did that once for uh, my girlfriend in college for, she was, she was a painter. So I sat for her once and uh, I, I, it was cushy. I was laying down watching a movie the whole time, but I had to sit still and like not move, man. That is hard. I can't work. I literally can't do that. <laughs> I can't sit still for eight minutes. You're like, Oh, that's easy. You know, you just have to stand there, but like you, you don't realize how, how even like laying down watching a movie, like to, to pay attention still, to not yeah. move is, is like challenging. That's fair. That's fair. And exhausting. Totally. Yeah. I mean, you are exerting muscle by not using them. Yeah. Isn't it what like a like the closed like when you die the closed position of your hand is actually a claw because of the muscles retract. Yeah. So the act of keeping your hand flat and still is, is actually yeah. engaging the muscles. This is fun. I love the, like the deep dives is my favorite shit right now. <laughs> yep. Okay. So uh, we got a thing. So as we're adding detail, what is like like I always see people doing um, like like charcoal drawings, right? Okay. And it starts out, just kind of like starts to be a thing. And then all of a sudden this detail starts to show up and it's like, holy shit. That's why I'm watching this for this part. So yeah. what's the, so now that we're getting into like the extreme nitty gritty detail of that, like how are you, is it still the same thing? You're just kind of attacking it and circling it and constantly changing and altering things or? It, it kind of is. I mean, that's, that's sort of, um, again, I mean, some of this is, this can be learned. Like you learn how to, how to pay attention to things um but a lot of it's just kind of going at it and um i think with clay 
you also have the benefit that it's it's an impermanent material, and so it's you, like working you with metal, can, where you can you can you can always add more metal. Whereas wood, if you, you fuck up, you're fucked. Yeah, yeah, you can rework it pretty easily, and and I th- I think that that's that is a skill, um, for lack of a better way of putting it, um, that is probably the most crucial part of doing that that discipline is is not getting too attached to the work you do. I mean, that's really. When you're trying to master anything, I think that's like a hugely beneficial uh, attitude to take. Is that like it? You know, it doesn't matter that I did it. Like I'm concerned about the process and doing the best piece that I can possibly do. And so you don't get too married to any like particular thing you've done. So when I'm building up that model and assessing, like constantly assessing, like does this look like the the actual person in front of me? Um, if it doesn't, like, I don't care if I just spent six hours doing that. Like, if it looks wrong, it's wrong. Change it. So, right, right. Well, we talk about that a lot, too. Like, just being objective in general. Yeah. Like, you have to, if you can't remove yourself from what you're doing, you're not going to get very good at it. Yes. And another thing there is in, uh, in audio, we call that demo-itis. So, somebody will make a demo at home and bring it to the studio. And yeah. They, they want to capture the magic and the essence of the four-track recording. And it's like... And then you're fighting that the entire process because the person, the client won't let go of that image of the thing they created, even though yeah. a newer, bigger, better version of it has appeared in front of you. I mean, I, it took me like probably fucking 20 years to get actually get over that and objectively <laughs> look at the music. You know, it's like, yeah, it's a funny thing. Well, that that was, I think, one of the greatest lessons I had when I was in art school it, it was this forced lesson that, you know, you just spend... 36 hours or whatever modeling this this you know we did it in a third scale um so like a three foot um or like two and a half foot uh full figure Mm. and you know you spend all this time and energy and like at the end you're like you're you're like i made this thing and and i will say that this is also pre uh digital camera or ubiquity of digital cameras like you just didn't have them on your cell phone or whatever so right so you gotta like it was actually a production to take a good photograph of it (laughs) um so i have no photographs of anything i did back then oh that's funny and so you just spend all this time and energy and like you have to take it over hack it apart and throw it back in the clay bin Really? Yeah. So you create like your masterpiece, your personal best, yeah. and then you destroy it. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah. And it, it forces you to 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 recognize the the impermanence of it and the process being more important than the product. Right. That's a, that's actually a great lesson. God, to be that teacher, oh, <laughs> I would love that so much to just watch hopes and dreams literally get shattered. Well, no, some... but that's that's also the beautiful thing about that particular class is it's one thing if you have this like hard ass like you know. I'm going to tear it down kind of teacher, like pull yourself up by your bootstraps. But this guy is like the most, even though he's like a kind of a, I mean, he did this for a living. He built giant, like monumental sculptures. Um, (laughs) So he's, he's kind of a big guy, but he was like this sensitive teddy bear. I mean, he was like, not the kind of guy that's like, tear that down. (laughs) He was like, you know, but he, you know, also recognized the benefit and importance of it. So that's awesome. Yeah. Oh, there's so many lessons there that I could dig into. We don't need to though. That's that, that's the point of this. Is we yeah, don't, yeah. Like, if there's an assumed level of intelligence listening to this version of this <laughs> podcast. Um, all right, so you've gotten into the like the crazy nuance of the hair and the the like you know the bags under the eyes and that crazy detail that people that do what you do can do that I don't know how to do. Yeah. Well, I also, I mean, you bring up hair, and I think that that's something that's 
a unique thing to talk about in the as I'm saying, like really learning how to see and like, you know, pull out the the specificity of like the way things look or are in reality. Mm-hmm. Uh, the hair is the exception to that. Like and that's that's part of the art of it too, is like knowing when there's something that you just is beyond real capabilities of like accurately portraying. Mm-hmm. And so the the hair is really like you kind of get the gesture of it. You want to have like the shape, and but then the you, there's like really a, a a level of creativity and abstraction that you perform to it to make it look sort of representational. So the details are important in the facial structures and the things that people are going to identify. Yeah, with, and the hair is the least important part of that. Yeah, and then there you know other things like there's certain parts like you know the. Um, the eyeballs like it, it's interesting because there are a lot of things that are really like very there's a direct relationship or you know comparison but then there's a few other things that like if you make them look accurate they'll look wrong or look funny um right. like you like, know i guess eyes would be one because there, yeah. you can't add a level of detail that would be necessary to like emulate a painting the eyeballs really, yeah. yeah okay well and you know if you think back to like ancient like greek sculptures um a lot of those were were reproductions from the originals because the originals were metal and melted down. Um, but also, we see them, you know, centuries later after they've been wait, wait, wait. out who, in the who, elements. Who melted all the structures? All the uh, I, I don't I, I, I guess, don't remember the specifics of the history of this, but I know like a lot of like you know during wars. Um, oh, just like things were ransacked and whatever, and yeah. Um, I'll accept that for now. <laughs> like you know, the Parthenon. Um, there was uh, I can't remember the other the other uh, temple, but there was one um, where there was like a hundred foot solid gold statue of Zeus <laughs> that was torn down and melted. <laughs> I bet it was. <laughs> yeah, it's probably still being spent to this day. Um, Every Italian in New York is wearing a gold chain made out of Zeus. <laughs> <laughs> That was, yeah. a, that was a double fuck. <laughs> um, oh, that just made me think, too. I remember being in Vicenza, Italy, years ago, and I uh, was cruising around with these soldiers to all these plazas. You know, Italy's all, all well, Italy's just basically plazas and fucking neat looking stuff. Yeah. And uh, we, we were hanging out in this sculpture. Um, you probably know better than I do who it was. In Vicenza. Mm. Uh, I can't think of it. Damn it. But they were like, yeah, it's this dude made it, and here's why it's important. And I was like, whatever, I'm 25 and drunk, eat a dick. <laughs> <You know? laughs> Rubbed its foot, went on my way. But it was funny to like, like know that I was there and like, you know, same way about like running up the Leaning Tower of Pisa. Like, like in the moment, you got to be like, wow, like Aristotle fucking did this too. And we have that in common now. <laughs> like, that's weird. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, the, uh, the history and the experience imbued in the object. Yeah. You get, if you don't like some people, like the rest of my band didn't go up the Leaning Tower of Pisa, and I was like, it's 15 euros. Get get in the line and go up the Leaning Tower of Pisa. Yeah. Like, I'm the only one that went up, and I was ashamed that they. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because you like, like, there's like, there's certain points in history that are actually tangible. Like, if you walk into the Coliseum, which I haven't done, which I wanted to do. Yeah. We tried to tip the, the tour bus driver 100 bucks to detour and take us to the Coliseum. <laughs> didn't fucking work. But, uh, there's a certain pieces of history where you can get close and touch it and you can't help but relate to the reason it's historical. You know, it's like kind of connects you to the entire history of humanity. Yeah. I mean, like the leading tower of Pisa, like go in it. If you have the option, you fucking idiots. (laughs) 
Anyway, all right. So now that we have our structure, everything's detailed, or our sculpture, everything's detailed. We have our armature. We have our clay. The clay looks like the thing we wanted to do. What are we? So you're saying the clay isn't the final product that you would work with. So we're making a mold now. What's the next thing? Yeah. So this is where you can get really intricate in things if you want. But okay. um, <laughs> uh, so it, it depends on what you're ultimately going to cast it in. Um, I'm trying to think of. What do you want to cast it in? Do you want it metal? Do you want it plaster? Let's do um, bronze. We're going to bronze it. Okay, so we're going to go into bronze. Um, so for, if I was going to do a bronze casting of the sculpture I just made, mm. uh, we're going to go with contemporary uh, materials. So I would make a rubber mold of the sculpture. Is it the shit you paint on like in the movies? Y- yeah, yeah. Um, so the first thing I want to do is I want to basically make a plan of how I want to make the mold and I want to map out the sculpture in a way that uh, gives me the minimal minimal amount of what we call undercuts, which is when, um, and this is a hard thing to describe in words, I guess, um, but easy. But basically like, you know, when you don't want to create something that when you pack a soft material into a hard material, um, basically locks into the hard material when it because the, the the rubber is going to be soft when you mo- when you paint it on, and then it's going to harden up. So imagine so, like a surfer inside the cup of a wave. Yeah, that's what your hands just did. So like yeah, they're basically like, like yeah. two things like locking. You want to prevent anything from locking together, is right? It? Yeah. So uh, mechanical sort of okay. Yeah. So areas where that might happen are like the ears, um, nostrils, um, with you know, with a bust. Um, Sometimes around the chin, if there's hair, hair can cause cause some issues. And this is for the rubber mold. This is for the rubber mold. I mean, it gets it gets way more complex if you do a, a mold out of a, an actual hard material like a plaster, plaster mold, yeah. um, which I've I've done once, and it was like it was a great learning experience. But it was something like a you know forty something part mold. <laughs> this is the Christian's never going to do that again. Face is what I'm seeing right now. <laughs> well, I mean, it's just there's this was a learning. You know, you want to learn the tradition of things, and um, so you understand and appreciate why you do things. But then also, you 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 do gain skills that you would not necessarily gain if you go with the modern techniques. Right, like an understanding so, of the of the, the the you understand why you're doing it the way you're doing it in the future because of the way you're doing it based yeah. on what was done in the past. So the rubber it, it hardens when you after you paint it on. It's like a chemical reaction. You like mix two parts and it, it cures. Right. Um, but it's still flexible, which is you know that's the reason you use it. And the benefit of rubber is is it you still have to be mindful of the undercuts, but you don't have to be as mindful of the undercuts because it can still kind of flex off of off of the model. Right. It's um, not a rigid material like a plaster would be. Yeah. So you, you you model that on, you model the, the rubber on, and depend you know, depending on how you want to break it up, you might build walls around, you know, on the sculpture itself that you model the rubber in sections. Mm-hmm. Um some people prefer to just model over the entire sculpture and then just cut it in half or cut it, you know, wherever they want to break the mold apart. Um I personally don't like doing that because I think sometimes it makes for a sloppier mold that can kind of shift and cause other issues when you're pouring your permanent, well, not bronze, but you're pouring your uh, (laughs) intermediary material into it. Um, Okay. So we've got, we have our, our detailed clay mold on our armature. We have a rubber mold that's gone over it. 
mm-hmm. which we've avoided. What are those called? Undercuts. Undercuts. All right. I have to take notes on these things. Otherwise, I'll never remember them. Um, avoided undercuts. There's one more step with that mold. Okay. Which is that the benefit of the rubber is that it's still flexible. Mm-hmm. The downside to it is, is that it's flexible. So you have to build a mold or basically like a structural mold over top of the rubber mold to basically firm that up when you're pouring your intermediary material into it. Otherwise, the weight of the the intermediary material might cause distortion in the the rubber mold. So That makes sense. That's called your mother mold. Mother mold. Yeah. All right. (laughs) So we have our... our you said you wanted to get technical. No, I know. This, in, is, like, this is exactly what I wanted. Uh, so we've gone from the the clay mold, which is highly highly detailed and hand carved, to a rubber mold of that. So basically, like you're going from a positive to a negative, and mm-hmm. now we're going back to a positive again to create the negative, which is the the bronze. There's more steps in this. Okay. Okay. So yeah. so all right. The next. So you're you're saying there's a shell that goes outside of the rubber shell. Yeah. That forms up the rubber shell. Yeah, it basically, like, makes everything rigid and so that way prevents you, the rubber from distorting. So when you fill it with the next medium, yeah. it's not pushing things and, you know, grandma's face is looking a little more bloated than usual. Yeah. Cool. So, all right, where are we at now? So next step is, you know, in, you, you know, ultimately we want this bronze sculpture. Well, bronze melts at something like 2,200 degrees Fahrenheit or 2,400 degrees Fahrenheit. It's like, it's pretty hot. <laughs> yeah, so the mold, the mold obviously so needs to be able to withstand you, that temperature. If you, if you pour that bronze into that rubber mold, all the only thing that's going to happen is you're going to melt the rubber. You're going to activate steam or turn all the moisture that's trapped in the plaster mother mold into steam, and that's going to blow up, and you're going to just have a huge <laughs> mess. So, um, So you need to make something that's capable of withstanding the temperature of bronze. So... Um, that requires that you make another mold. <laughs> but in order to do the other mold, you, you want to make a new pattern, which is, you know, the original form, you know, the, the positive form of the thing that you're trying to make a sculpture of. Right. So you want to make that out of, um, we're going to make that out of wax because wax is another material that's capable of, um, firming up at a cooler temperature mm-hmm. and, and melting out at a hotter temperature. Right. Um, so, so we can basically like take that wax positive and build another mold around it out of a more, uh, permanent or, uh, material that's more, is better equipped to withstand the temperatures of bronze. So as you're making all these analogous, um, replica, uh, replications of the same thing, mm-hmm. um, are you lo- losing detail or is the scale changing at all? Like there has to be slight ups and downs in terms of there's some shrinkage from like you know heating and cooling and all of that so um there there's like formulas and calculations and you know things like that so that you know if you want it your end sculpture to be this you make your pattern this size and you know there's a lot of little nuance of math if you want to get that i I guess the the thousands of years of sculpture somebody would have figured that out that if you like yeah yeah um yeah, you 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 can potentially lose detail. Um, that's definitely something you have to be mindful of. So, again, it's like this constant process of assessment, and some of that's like uh, we got to fix this or do that. But some of it's like, oh, this is actually going to look better than I was intending. So let's keep that. So there's there's this an openness that you really can benefit from if if you if you you know are 
willing to look at you know what's happening or what's actually happening in front of you again it's like it's, we're it's gonna so, say like scene you know yeah, yeah it's so funny because in my mind the, the the part that requires the attention is the first part but obviously like you have to stay objective the entire time and constantly review yes. what you're doing because it's not like it's just not going to become a bronze thing with no effort if there's a lot of effort that goes into that yeah and sculpture is the only thing that you have to stay that objective through the entire process that's funny okay i'm glad we picked <laughs> pick sculpture instead of art because fuck art <laughs> now art's a whole other interesting conversation we might have a, another deep dive someday I'm but totally into that um yeah, because uh, well, was just like, well, art theory, we'll say. Yeah, caveat. I did, like Christian is a uh, what do you have like a basically a PhD in art. Like you have the highest discipline in art that you can get, right? I have an MFA, but yeah, there they, there are schools. And, you know, I can tell too much information sometimes, but say so, yeah, there are schools that are trying to do PhDs in art, which there's a lot of controversy because you know why spend another however many you know sixty plus thousand dollars to get a degree that's kind of meaningless. Yeah. Agreed. So, but yeah. we, we always have this debate, and I know nothing about art, and I know that Christian knows a lot about <laughs> art, so I just poke him about art all the time because I think it's hilarious. We don't need to get into that right now. No, no, but no. I just think it's a big conversation. Okay. Yeah. Um, so, where are we at now? So we've got our we've got our wax. We're up to the wax. So version. we have our wax. Yeah. So, um, so we cast the wax, and then there's a couple things that we need to be mindful of with a a bust. Sorry, I'm taking a pause here for a second because it's been 20 years since I've done this properly um so one like you said we may have the potential that we might lose details so we or something happens that doesn't you know we weren't expecting so we want to basically pay attention to how the wax actually looks what the finished surface is um if anything's changed and wax is a material we can actually model as well so we can go back in and um this is our last chance to sort of like touch it up and make yeah touch touch things up and and also in terms of like, and I, I learned this the hard way, you know, early on in, in learning bronze casting is that um, it, it's a lot easier to fix the surface of wax than it is to fix the surface of bronze. So you really want your wax to be kind of as polished as you want the bronze to be. Okay. Otherwise, when you cast it, you're going to have to fix all of that in a material that's a lot harder to work. <laughs> that seems reasonable, yeah. <laughs> so... Um, this is this is again where it's going to get like unpredictably weird with uh, with this process mm-hmm. is um, so now you have your wax pattern of of the sculpture and now you know you're making this third mold or second mold um, out of a material which uh, will withstand the heat of bronze withstand the heat of bronze um, the process I mostly learned was called ceramic shell so you basically like build this layer of like uh, a slurry of ceramic and sand over. Uh, you do like multiple layers over your wax, and that's a, that's all at a cool temperature. Obviously, otherwise you melt the wax. Yeah, yeah, it's a it's a it's at a cool temperature. Um, so, are you taking into consideration the room temperature or anything like that too as you're doing this? Like, not because wax will become malleable at like a fairly well low temperature. So, you know, there's multiple types of wax, and they all have different melting temperatures. So. Um, like if we were doing it at something like beeswax, um, that's going to be a lot softer and we're going to have more issues, but, um, the wax I typically use, or we typically use is called microcrystalline. Mm-hmm. It's a firmer wax. I think it melts at like 185 degrees Fahrenheit. Oh, so like room um, so it's not, it's not going to really mess around with the room temperature. If you were to hold it in your hand and like inside your fist, would it become malleable? You, you can, but you're going to have to hold it in your fist in like, aggressive you're like you really for a long time and but you can actually need it and that will eventually soften it up Mm -hmm. um i've also like pulled my 
fingernails off doing that because it's like a lot of pressure on your what, fingers. One day we should have a so like be, being a creative person that makes things is fucking horrendous on your body sometimes. Like oh yeah, if you if like if we well, just walking around where we work, this place called Crown. Uh, if you talk to any metal worker, like everyone's got an angle grinder story where they almost cut their thumb off or some shit. Like <laughs> the shit we go through to make your stuff, like fuck you. Well, look, I got like multiple band aids on my hands right now, and fingers, like yeah. Yeah. I can't tell if you're a junkie or an artist, like somewhere in there. <laughs> Um, all right, so we're, we're putting this ceramic material all over our wax structure, which is creating a positive, or I guess a negative again, of... Yeah, we're trying to make another, a new, new negative of, of our model. But okay. the other thing we have to be mindful of is that while we're pouring the metal in, one, we don't want to... Oh, we're not there yet. So no, I, I know. Okay, I, okay. I, we're, this, is, this is very relevant to the wax. Okay, okay. We just have to be aware of what's going to happen with the metal down the road. So one, we don't want to pour a solid block of metal. For like a one to one skill ratio of of right away like six thousand pounds yeah and it's very expensive yeah. um so we want to make a negative so that means we're gonna have to basically like the wax is gonna have to be hollow um so we're basically around our model we only want to have the surface be cast something like an eighth of an inch to a quarter of an inch somewhere oh, so around you're, there you're creating so you have your wax positive you have your ceramic negative and you're trying to create basically a you want a th- basically, you, 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 yeah. You only want an eighth inch thick thing. Yeah. So what are you doing to create the negative space on the inside? So of it? we're melting the wax to to a liquid, mm-hmm. and we're basically going to pour it in and slosh it around our mold. So we cover the entire surface, and then we're going to pour out the excess, and then we're going to do that a number of times until we build up a layer of wax that's around that eighth to a quarter of an inch thick. Thickness. Oh, so we've all right. So this this is the wax. So still working with the wax, but the wax one is removed now. We're on the ceramic one. We're this. So I'm taking a, a step back. This yep. is prior to making the ceramics. Like this is working with the wax, and, and um, so we want that wax to be hollow. And oh, then so the, the other the, thing. So the wax, the actual. I was thinking a solid block of wax, but the wax one is hollow. Yeah, so. we want the wax to be hollow too. Oh, so that when yeah. we're making that ceramic, we're making the the ceramic mold, you know, a hollow form. And the, the ceramic is the ceramic is around a hollow piece of wax. So you're you're taking a hollow thing that is very thin. Oh, I know what you're going to do. You're going to fill the middle with sand. Yes. It w- and then there's the other part of of this equation cuz yeah, we're still working with the wax. I haven't I, I'm talking about the ceramic, but we're still working with the wax. All right. So the, the point of this is I have to understand what's happening. Yeah, so yeah. um <clears throat> so let's back it up a second. So we've got our we have our rubber mold was mm-hmm. our second step. So now we've taken the wax. We're pouring the wax inside of the rubber mold with a harder shell on the outside of the rubber mold. Yep. And we're creating a thin layer of wax in the exact form of the rubber mold. Then we're removing the rubber mold from that, revealing an eighth-inch thick wax form of the structure. Yes. Of the, of the sculpture. And then we're covering that in ceramic material. Let's stop there. Okay. With, we've, we've pulled out our wax. We've touched it up. We've made it look the way we want to. Okay. So the other thing we have to think about is... Um, And again, I'm talking about the future because we have to be mindful of what's happening in the next steps. So when we're pouring that metal into that final ceramic mold, um, we're going to push gases into that when we're pouring the metal in. And there's also gases that need to be released. So we need to be we need to create right, wait, 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 tunnels wait. or no, ways no, no, for the on. gases to escape. I got yes, I, I know we're trying to like prep me for what's to come, but I, yeah. I've not mentally ready for that yet so let's keep going oh no i know i know this is this is what's going to get us back to the waxes okay so now that we know just we're aware that there are gases that we need to be released 
we need to build a stru- like a system of vents in wax that attach to our wax pattern <laughs> that we know we're going to eventually cut off. They're <laughs> called gates and sprues. Mm-hmm. And those uh, kind of follow up around the form. And they need to be like every four to six inches. Um, they're, you know, and you do them strategically so that when you cut them off, you're going to do, you're not going to like have one of these vents or gates or sprues going right into the eye or anything that's like important detail. You're going to do it like on the cheek where you can like cut that off and then grind it down and make it look pretty again. Okay. This is down the road. Um, <laughs> It's a complicated process, oh, I know. man. I'm doing the shit. So these gates and sprues kind of come out from the the pattern. Think of like I'm trying to think of like a sci-fi movie where some something's got like hoses attached to like it, like Darth Vader or some, shit. or like the Matrix or something like that, where there's like these hoses. They yeah. kind of it's kind of like that. So yeah, um, and then they kind of lead up to uh, uh, basically a cup, mm-hmm. a wax cup, and that's your pour cup. So you know that's where you're going to pour your metal in. Oh, that's the, that's so using these vents. One yeah. is one's strictly for gas to leave, and one is for metal to come. Yeah, in. you're gonna have a cup, and then you're gonna have the rod that goes right down to like the you know to your pattern. Mm-hmm. That's that's your pour your pour tunnel. We'll call it that. Um, and then you're gonna have these other like vents that come out from the surface that go back into the the cup or the tunnel. Um, that as the metal pours into the mold. It pushes all those gases back out, and they're able to release right. from from mold. And because otherwise, you get um, air pockets, or you know, yeah, oh, I totally yeah, I get so, that. Yeah. So, but you're gonna need like, is there a shitload of them, or is there just a couple? It, there's whatever the thing you're casting, you want them like every four to six inches, we, or maybe eight inches. We do like I learned to do a thing where like you spread your your pinky and your thumb out, and like you kind of Use that. As Use a, that as like a caliper and like kind of divide your 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 pattern with that that distance. Okay, this is more complicated than fucking bones. <laughs> Super complicated. Yeah. And this is this is a bust, which is actually a pretty simple thing to cast. Yeah. Okay. Um, you you cast a whole body and you have to cut things apart and cast them separately and then you're going to weld them back together and you have to like do it in a way that okay, okay. yeah <laughs> another day We're over my pay grade already um all right so we've got our vents we have our way to we have the way to get metal oh that makes sense too because you don't want to just pour from the top because you'll melt the wax you want to you want to start at the bottom and work your way up right when you're when you're casting yeah i mean kind of we're we're still in the wax and we're gonna so now we're gonna build we'll go back to the we'll Okay, okay, okay. Yeah. We're still in the wax. All right, so we so. got the wax, we have our ceramic around the wax, we have our ways for the, the metal to get in, we have the ways for the gases to get out. Yeah. Now what are we doing? So now we have that's our wax. So we have this wax pattern with our gates and sprue system. Mm-hmm. So now we're gonna build that ceramic shell around it. Mm-hmm. So we're gonna take that and we have like basically a barrel with a slurry. And then we're going to dip it in the slurry, and then we have a barrel with sand, and we're going to dip it in the sand. So we're going to do that like seven or eight times. And there's there's to get specific, there's two grades of that, but I'm not going to get too in beyond yeah, that. We're just like say there's two grades of that. So strokes, yeah. basically, sand and slurry. Okay. So what, what is slurry? I don't know what slurry is. Uh, like a um sludge of of like a ceramic material. Oh, so it's sticky essentially. So the sand is sticky. Yeah, yeah. Okay. It's it's like yeah, it's like a batter that you you put the batter in, 
Think of like frying chicken. Got it. Yeah, I totally follow that analogy. So, yeah, yeah. So we're gonna build that up like seven seven layers or so. Then we're gonna take that and um, now we've completely covered the thing. So if we have it completely covered, we have nowhere to pour anything into. Right. So we're gonna take and we're gonna where that cup is. We're gonna basically shear off the ceramic. Yeah, we're gonna basically. clear off the ceramic part of it to open the tube to allow yeah. that stuff to go okay then we're going to take that and we're going to put it in a kiln upside down and we're going to bake it or we're going to fire it to create the ceramic so hard we're shell yeah we're creating a negative we're creating that we're firming up that ceramic shell and we're melting the wax out of it this is our final negative. this is our final mold final yeah this is our final negative. negative so yeah so now we're melting <laughs> that wax out of it so now we have like a negative that we can pour the, the bronze into okay so now we're getting into bronze casting <laughs> and I'm not going to get too I'm not going to get too into the weeds of broadcasting because I've only done it like actually done it been a, you know at the hands of it a few times. Uh, oh. um, and there's there's a lot of like metallurgy and stuff that I don't know, but basically you're melting you're melting bronze ingots. Um, and then you're. I just like the idea of an ingot, by the way. Like yeah. any, anytime your day involves an ingot, it's probably a good day. <laughs> like you only find those in video games and like craft stores. So yeah, I, you know, I'm describing. We're going to describe it a little bit, but like you know, if you ever have the chance to go watch a bronze or a metal pour, it's mm-hmm. like really kind of an awesome experience. Um, I think we should just figure out how to do that here because I like fire. We have a, yeah, we have we'll a, have, we have, to, have a rocket stove that'll get to like twelve thousand degrees. We can do it. I know how to make all that stuff. And yeah, it's, this is why I love where I work. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So let's just, let's, uh, let's get to the conclusion of this because we are hitting the wall. Yeah. 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 And, and yeah, again, like metallurgy, I'm not an expert on that. So basically okay. like, you know, you, now you just pour the metal into it and then, um, to make that real quick, um, let what, it cool. What's, or, what's the, so like, like you're not trying to do a, uh. Wait, so, fuck, you just fucked me up. Because now you've got a, you have a hollow thing. Mm-hmm. Oh, are you, like, just letting the the metal kind of slosh around in there like the, you were doing with the wax sort of a thing? No, because it's metal and it's super hot, so you can't really disturb the mold while it's being... Throw it around you like basically, a beach ball. So you basically have, like, a sandbox, <clears throat> and you more or less, like, not fully bury, but you basically kind of bury the mold in sand so that, one, it's not going to shift, and two, like, if metal... if you're, There's the possibility you haven't made your mold correctly or that there's something that happened, there's a crack or whatever, and it's compromised. Mm-hmm. If that fails in the middle of the bronze pour, you don't want 2,500-degree molten metal, like, spewing all over the floor, like... Yeah, in, it's not epoxy. You can't clean it. Up yeah, yeah. yeah, and plus, like, you know, if it happens to kind of spill over towards where your foot is, like, you know... That's not really not a pleasant experience. Yeah. Um, I've actually had molten bronze like spit out because there's some sort of contamination in the mold and like land on me, which is not fun. <laughs> is it better or worse than welding? Oh, it's way worse. Okay, than welding. yeah, that's actual yeah. molten metal. Yeah. Although I have to say, I had I've told you the story before, but I had one magic cherry when I was welding that shot up in the air, came down, and I had one hole in my welding glove, and it was over. I was on my pinky finger, my right hand, and it mystically went up in the air, came down, still red, went through that hole, landed on my pinky nail, burned through my nail, and embedded inside my pinky. <laughs> yeah. 
when you have those freakish welding like things, it's probably that as bad as that. Um, that's the only time if I've it's actually if it's just a shit. little spatter. If yeah. it's just a little spatter, um, it's probably comparable or worse than you know welding can be worse than that. I had one land in my foot or in my shoe. Oh, we've all had that right down goes, into my yeah. shoe. Um, <laughs> I weld in chucks and they always burn right through and eat my toes. Yeah, it's horrible. But um, yeah, so so yeah, so now you've you've poured it into that and. So you really don't want to disturb it. So part of what you're doing when you're building the 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 gate and sprue system is you're also thinking about um, the way the metal is going to flow into the mold, and you want to create like kind of a vortex so that there's a momentum that pushes, also helps push the metal through the mold, mm-hmm. um, so that you don't have to do that sloshing. And plus, you've made that hollow mold where like everything is the thickness you more or less want it to be. With exception to like the shrinkage that we were talking about oh, earlier. Oh, you're putting the fucking the slurries on the inside and the outside of it. Yes. Oh, that's yeah. how you're getting an H. In- okay, that makes a lot yeah. more sense. Yeah, because uh, you can't really do much in terms of the casting beyond like what the mold is. You, you know, you right, don't have you, a lot so of. You're, yeah. you're filling the wax with the stuff and you're putting it around the outside of it. And yeah. And there's probably a point where they connect so that they don't. Yeah. Okay. All right, we didn't talk about that, but now I got I, now I understand. So we have a we have a eighth inch gap inside of a slurry mold of if, ceramic stuff that we fired. If you release this, I'm gonna have to like put some visuals that you can like Instagram or whatever because <laughs> you know cats are the same thing. She's gonna post some stuff. Um, okay, I totally understand all that. Now it makes sense in my head. Yeah, and then so let's get into all right. So everything went great. Yeah, just for the sake of time, the bronze is in the proper place. The bronze has cooled. Bronze is cooled. Give me the the finishing process from there on in five minutes or less. So yeah, the quick thing is now you have you poured your bronze. It's cooled off in the ceramic. Now that ceramic is not like the rubber mold where you can just take it apart. There's mm-hmm. not an easy way to take it apart. So you basically have to chip that away. So you're you're like hammering, you know, sandblasting that off. Mm-hmm. It's an it's a one time mold. You never use it again. You throw it away. <laughs> um, and some of that gets stuck into the bronze. So you're like basically picking away at that with like dental picks and stuff like that. It's a really fussy procedure. Kind of sucks, but Mm. worth it. Got it. So then you, you have your bronze and you have that like gate and sprue system still attached to it. Mm -hmm. So now you have to cut all of those off as close to the form as possible without disrupting or disturbing or damaging the, the actual pattern or the actual sculpture. Right. Um, So you cut all of those off, you use an angle grinder, bandsaw, whatever, whatever cuts them off. Um, so now you have your bronze and you have these like slight stumps where the gates were. Right. So you basically have to grind those down um, as close as possible. Um, and then basically now your your thing is more or less what you want it to be. It's the form you want it to be with exception to some surface issues. So now you have to do what's called chasing your sculpture, which is, a you know, sanding or taking like little... Um, uh, patterned chisels or things like that and creating textures that are the textures you want on the surface Just of that. Just like finished details. Polishing, yeah, yeah. yeah. Polishing, texturing, like, you know, all the finished details. <laughs> so now you have your bronze. It's perfectly polished, perfectly textured, perfectly chased. It is the way you want it to, to look. Now you want to either, if you want to, you know, whatever the bronze looks like there, if you want that to be the finished thing, you seal it with like a lacquer wax, something that like prevents it from tarnishing if you want to prevent it from tarnishing or you might want to prematurely tarnish it or patina it. So you basically, there's a whole, you know, range of chemicals and whatever, you know, some of them are standard, some of them make your own. Mm -hmm. Um, 
so basically you apply chemicals or or you know it's like staining your bronze um got it so you're basically coloring it the way you want it to it could be brown you could make it a black you could do that like green there's all kinds of things you can do to make it you know whatever the surface look the way you want it to and then again you like seal it or wax it or do whatever to like lock that finish in and then it's done and then it's done all right make a pedestal whatever so if i may yeah you create your armature you apply uh, clay to that. You walk around it constantly to keep your depth of field or your, the depth of the image and the three-dimensional object in check. You put all the detail into that. You cover that in... Fuck, are we at, are we at rubber? Is rubber next? Yeah, if you're finished, rubber. All right, yeah, so rubber. Without any spots that it's going to catch together, which is called undercuts. Mm-hmm. Uh, we pull all that apart. We that's Then we create a wax version of that. We've got your no, mother mold. Well, we have a, we have a mother mold around that to keep yeah. the form in check. We use we use wax on the inside of that, which we slosh around to create an eighth inch thick version of it. Then we take that, use that as our final piece of detailing. We put that into a combination of slurry and sand back and forth until we create an inside and outside mold with connecting points. <laughs> and then we take that, we throw that in a kiln, we fire that. We use our oh, fuck. What are the ports called? The vents, what gates and sprues. Gates. We use our gates and our sprues. We have to make sure we apply those. In the wax mold, and then we do the slurry and sand thing, and then we fire that, then we bury that in the sand, and then we use our gates and slurries to uh, add our metal back in. Assuming we did everything correctly, we take the entire thing out. We break away, we chip away the, the slurry ceramic mold that we fired, and then we cut off our gates and slurries, and then we polish those back down, and then we apply whatever patina we want, and then we wax the finished structure. More or less, yeah. <laughs> this is this is all Cliff Notes version. Like I'm not gonna get into the. <laughs> that's that's way more complex than you expected it to be. Oh yeah, no, I, but that's the whole. That's why it was fun to talk about. All right, we did it. We're done. Would you like to finish it up? Sorry, guys. Good night, motherfuckers. <laughs> <laughs>